in-depth and God-filled conversations with some of the brightest names in contemporary Christian music and worship. This is The Artist Interview with Gordon T. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview. I'm Gordon T, your host, and it's my absolute privilege and pleasure to bring to you guests from around the world of contemporary Christian music and worship from all over the world. Um, but as often happens, we are going to be traveling to the States right now, uh, and we're going to be meeting the wonderful Meredith Andrews. But before we meet her, let's hear this first track, and it's a Christmas track, and it is called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And that was Come Thou Long Expected Jesus by Meredith Andrews. Welcome, Meredith. How are you doing? I'm doing so wonderful. Thank you, Gordon. Thanks for having me today. Uh, it's it's our honour and our pleasure to do so. So um, it would be great to hear a little about your story. Um, I, I, I know you mainly as a, as a worship leader, but I don't really know um, how you came to know Jesus, the story of your life and how that all wove together. So if you'll be happy to share that with us, that would be really great. Absolutely. And I'll try to keep it short because I could definitely draw this out. But when I was um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a little town called Wilson, North Carolina, and um, I was the only child for eight years uh, until my parents essentially adopted three boys and they adopted these my brothers through the foster care system. So that's a big part of my story. My parents were foster parents. We had about 20 children live with us um, from the time I was eight to the time I was 12 or 13. And I have three brothers that uh, that I love so much, and they even look like us. It's kind of crazy how the Lord worked that out. Wow! But when I was really little, um, my parents were super involved in our church, and we went to a tiny church in our tiny town. And it was the kind of thing where you know, if you volunteered at all, chances were you volunteered in multiple multiple capacities. Because my mom was part of the worship team, but she also helped with kids ministry. My dad was an elder and then he cut the grass every other Saturday. So, you know, we were highly involved. I was there every time the doors were open and I loved it. And uh, when I was five years old, I gave my heart to Jesus at the end of one of our pastor's messages. Um, and then I did so the next week again and the next week following that as well. <laughs> and then after, you know, three weeks in a row the and my mom was like, you're good, you're in. Um but when I was 12 was when I really started seeking the Lord for myself. It was like God stirred within me this hunger um, for him to really know him, where it wasn't just about going to church, but it was about getting to know his heart and what he was like and spending time with him. And I did that primarily through worship music. And I would listen to Delirious all the time. The Cutting Edge is one of my favorite records growing up. And, uh, you know, there were others, of course, Darlene Check, Rhea Springer, Matt Redman, um, that and and they it was beautiful how God just met me as I would listen to worship music, you know, from 12 on in high school. The Lord really cultivated this desire and in, inside of me to really know him. And and that came out then um, starting to lead worship. I, I started writing songs when I was 12. 
started singing these songs in these little area churches and whoever would have me and, you know, was leading worship for our youth band. And, um, but what I remember about those things wasn't even necessarily that, um, I was chasing music. I was really chasing the heart of God and he was responding and I, and I got to know him in a very deep way. And so, you know, whatever happened on the platform for me was happening in my bedroom beforehand. You know, I I was, I was spending time with God. I was cultivating this um, life of worship and he met me there in such a real way. And, uh, and then I got to see him meet me again, you know, in a corporate setting. And I'm just so thankful for the foundation that I have. And, you know, I could, I'll just kind of gloss over the rest of it, but um, I went to uh, Liberty University when uh, that's where I studied. And um, I was a worship leader there for our campus services. And then I was hired at a church in Chicago to be a worship leader where I served for 10 years. Um, and soon after I moved to Chicago, um, I started going to Nashville about once a month to write and uh, eventually sign a record deal with the record label that I'm still with. At the time, it was just called Word, but now it's Curb Word. I've been with them for 15 years. Um, incredible people over there. And uh, I just love getting to um, write songs. It really is a part of just who I am in my process, how I process things with God, how I process what's happening with life. You know, um, it's kind of an expression for me just to write it out uh, in a song and um, and how beautiful it is and like how humbled I am that I get to then stand in front of people and we get to sing these songs together and I get to point people to Jesus because I can't save anybody. I can't do anything for anybody in that regard. But when I get to stand there and go, let's come into the presence of God together, because when we are in the presence of God, it transforms us from the inside out. It, It literally changes everything, just being near him. And that's what I love is just getting to be near God with people and see them encounter him like I have encountered him. I've got to ask. So for those of our listeners who are maybe thinking, wow, this sounds interesting, but what does it actually mean? What does it feel like? Uh, to be in the presence of God. How do you know that you are? Well, it's just, for me, it's just very overwhelming peace. Um, And knowing that I am loved and seen as I am, that I don't have to pretend to be something else. I don't have to perform for God. I can just come as I am. And I'm just so completely seen and completely loved. And it really is just this peace that passes all understanding. And Uh, Sometimes I cry when I'm in his presence because I'm just so overwhelmed by his goodness. And it's like you get this glimpse into his nature and how good he is, how kind he is, how tender he is, how strong he is. And it's like you experience all of those things simultaneously. Wow. Okay. It sounds great. And uh, and I've got to say, it's something that I felt on numbers of occasions myself where I might be worshiping and you just suddenly realize that, uh, it just feels like a, a special holy moment um, where where yeah. God is in the room. So um, uh, I, I think um, it's worth it's worth pursuing. And what was interesting there, you talked about in your private time, you were with God in in your room. You cultivated that, and then when you were on stage, effectively in front of those people, you, you weren't having to perform. You were just basically carrying on with what you were doing, which was simply worshiping God. But it must be a challenge because then when you're there and you're in front of all the people, there's all the expectations that other people 
put upon you, not necessarily um, consciously even, but it, but it, it, you're there to to serve a function. How how do you prevent yourself from starting to just get distracted by all the people? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think that people are just an just another uh, expression of who God is, because we're all made in the image of God. And I think when I when I go into a you know a setting or a meeting like that, and I, I I'm excited for there to be people there, not because I want to show them what I can do, but because when the people of God are gathered together, that's where He is in such a strong way. You know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. And when you get all those people together who are different expressions of the heart and image of God, then you experience God in such a deep way. And I think, you know, the older I get, the more I, well, Gordon, to be honest, I don't care. (laughs) And I don't mean that in an indifferent or apathetic way. I mean that in a way of, I'm not living for the approval of people. I want to encourage people. I want to minister to people. But my first ministry is to the Lord as a worshiper. You know, I'm a worshiper before I'm even a worship leader. So I I want the posture of my heart to always be pointed towards God. And I want the offering that I bring to be pleasing to him. And I pray that it blesses others. I want it to bless others and I believe that it will, but it has to be from that pure heart. And I, there are times when I just have to go, God, just remove every distraction. I don't want to be divided in my motives. I don't want to be double-minded. I just want to be laser focused on you, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And it is just this daily surrender of going, God, I just want to be, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God. Everything else flows from that, you know, and I'm very human in so many ways. And I've faced disappointment. And there have been times when I didn't feel like I met those expectations, you know, or or I had put pressure on myself and nobody else was putting it on me. And that's, again, where I just have to it's a it's a growing moment. It's a chance to learn. It's a chance to grow and mature and um, and really just have the perspective of God to see the way that he sees. So it's just being aware and saying to the Lord, okay, God, show me where I'm off here. Show me where my perspective is wrong. Show me what you see and show me how you see these people because it's, they're not people that I'm trying to impress. They're people that have hurts and needs and God wants to meet them there. So if I can see myself as a vessel and a conduit, then he just gets to flow through and really just minister to their hearts. Wow. That sounds wonderful. Uh, God, God's always wanting to change us to be more like him, um, yeah. for us to become more like Jesus. What area of your life do you think God is currently stretching and challenging you in? I would say the area of control. <laughs> uh, you know, in the last three years, we've all experience just things that we've never experienced before. And for me, I had to just learn to relinquish all the things that I thought that I could control and manipulate and make them work out the way that I thought they should. And I've just even like relationships or circumstances or, you know, everything with COVID, like when none of us could travel and we all were still feeling a little stir crazy inside of our homes and things like that. I had to just go like, Lord, it's yours. You know how, you know, my frustrations with this, you know, my feelings about this. And I can't necessarily change these circumstances. So what is it that you want to show me in it? And even like 
things with, you know, relationships, conversations with people. If you, if, if I've, you know, I've definitely been in places where I felt misunderstood and I needed to explain myself. And again, the more mature I get, hopefully (laughs) the less I feel the need to explain myself. And the more I just go, eh, it's okay. Like I can trust that God can take anything and he can heal it. He can clarify it. Like, I don't have to worry about that. You know, like even with my kids, I, there are things that I, you know, I want to just go, no guys, you don't get it yet. But like the Lord is like, there have been many times when you didn't get it yet. (laughs) And the patience of God is such a beautiful thing. And so I want to exhibit the patience of God in my own life too, and be able just to trust him. Because I, I think when we really understand what he's like, and we understand how faithful he is, when we just go, you know what? I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to be anxious about that. Even though I don't know what the outcome is going to be, I can trust God because his track record is perfect and he's actually never failed me yet. <laughs> that's very encouraging. I, I, the fact that he's never failed you. And that's my testimony as well. He's just so faithful in all things. You you mentioned that you've got some children. How many children do you have? I have three kids. Three kids. Three kids and you're smiling. You're looking very happy with three kids. So that's, <laughs> no, that's good. They're, and you, they're awesome. Ha- how old are they? They're 12. I have a 12-year-old son, a 9-year-old son, and an 8-year-old daughter. Okay. So it probably keeps you quite busy. How how, oh, yeah. how does that work? And do you travel to lead worship quite a bit, or do you, are you fairly local? No, I travel a good bit. I travel probably two or three times a month, just depending on the month. And But when I'm gone, it'll usually be one or two nights. Um, so I try not to be away too long. Every now and again, I'll get to take them out as well. Like either we'll all go as a family. My husband is a... He's my producer. He's an, a brilliant keyboard player. Um, so sometimes he'll come with me when he's able. Sometimes he'll stay home with the kids. It just depends. Um, but sometimes, yeah, we'll get to go all together or I'll take them out one by one. Okay, that's quite nice, actually. A bit of a, bit of a treat, but a bit of mum time going somewhere quite interesting. And yes, exactly. I, know, I guess for that age at the moment, they're, they're, they're sort of very much involved with churchy stuff and all the rest of it. But for some parents, their children might be a bit older and their children might be going, well, I've gone along church all my life, but now I've seen all the other things that my other friends are doing, football, whatever it might be, they do on a, on a Sunday and said, do you have any advice for parents where their children might be struggling to engage with church? Sure. Well, I think, first of all, helping our children um, understand that church is just kind of, that. that's the the mechanism by which we get to gather as the body of Christ, right? Like we get to be with other people, other believers who, um, who put their trust in God. And, you know, the, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of the saints. Like we are meant to be together. We are better together. Um, But I think, first of all, we have to lay this foundation with our kids where they understand that you know, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's just a part of what we do to make sure that we're strengthening and growing our faith. It's a part of being with other people, having that community. But I think once you help your kids understand, you know, like Jesus is the center of our home. He's the center of our lives. And church is a part of how we grow. It's how we get to know him better. It's how we get to, you know, have these conversations with people and be surrounded by like-minded believers. And, uh, 
we've had those conversations with our kids as well. And it's so necessary just to surround ourselves with people who are running after God as, as well, or else we feel isolated and alone. And so I want to establish that for my kids too, where they have this relationship with God one-on-one, but they see the value in gathering with other people to sharpen their faith. Yeah. I, for myself, so I've, I've got uh, two children, 18 and 16, and my son actually, uh, over COVID, he just left the church, said, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. And, and I want to respect his choice in that as well and go, okay, I'm not forcing you. You've, you've got yeah. to think this through for yourself. Uh, and actually, he, he recently arrived at university and, um, and then has actually got totally stuck in with his faith and is in a church and uh, and just chose to get baptized so wow. so so for any parents who are listening who are going oh my kids are not they're not going on church just want to encourage you all to, to keep praying for them and get other people to pray for them because god can step in and do amazing things sometimes right. doesn't do them as quickly though Yes, for sure. And just like you said, it really is, it's their own journey, you know, and they have to figure things out with God as they get older. It's like you lay the foundation, but then you're just like, it's that control thing again. It's like, God, I can't control my kids and how they think. I just do the best I can as a parent and I have to trust that you are after their hearts. And, you know, what I want for my kids isn't for them just to be the best churchgoers ever. What I want for my kids is for, for them to actually know God and love him with all their heart soul mind and strength yeah in fact what you said before i'm sure it must have surprised some of my listeners when you said going to church doesn't make you a christian um and then you just talked about relationship with god as being the key thing um because i suppose you could be on a desert island and, and never be able to go to church but still be able to be a christian and follow Absolutely. jesus so yeah. um so although but you're right going to church and meeting together actually is exactly what god calls us to do so that we can grow closer to him um what sort of church do you go to now it's a church called the belonging well, that sounds like a very cool name. What's what's it like? <laughs> uh, well, our pastors are from Australia. Uh, well, half the staff, I feel like, is from Australia. But it's a very, um, very free church. Uh, but really, like, the, the heart of our house is just to pursue the presence of God, um, to stay true to his word. Um, it's a very, you can tell, when you walk in, there's no, there's no, uh, question whether it's a, a church that follows Jesus or not. Like we are adamant, Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-filled uh, congregation, and we're just trying to be a light in our community. That's cool. Um, and what sort of size is it? It's a few thousand. I don't even know. We have three services a, a week. So okay. yeah, I think it's a yeah okay so so bigger bigger than the average church in the uk i think we're fair to say and, and in the uk we've just had um uh, the census results come out which um for the first time show that uh less than 50 percent of the country would define themselves as christian which is mm. and it, it it was never that high anyway so i don't know why people were surprised by that but it, there's a change yeah. within our society of people going actually i've just realized i'm not religious at all so um so whereas previously nearly everyone would ticked the Christian box um, uh, and without thinking because they said, well, I'm born in England, so I must be a Christian. So so maybe it's quite healthy for us to have this change within us where we go, that's mm-hmm. that's actually not who we are. And then we can look into it mm-hmm. if we want to. What, what, where you are in the States, in Nashville, is yes. it a very Christian sort of ethos and, and atmosphere or or different? Well, it's considered the South. So yes, there, there are a lot of churches, but I think the, the issue that we run into, you know, in the cultural Christianity, uh, you know, what we would call the Bible Belt in this area, you know, anything kind of in the south of the United States is considered the Bible Belt. And what you run into with that is uh, 
again, it's this more of a religious mindset. Like you, we maybe people will call themselves a Christian because they go to church. But I do believe that what God is doing in the earth is, is he's, um, you know, after COVID, it's like, we can't go back to church as usual. It was never about programs. Uh, it was always about the presence of God and the word of God. And so what I'm seeing even in Nashville is this stirring and this hunger for to actually experience God on a real level, not just to compartmentalize him, not just to say, well, God, I'll give you two hours in my week, but really where he becomes everything and he becomes central to our very lives again. And uh, I believe that God's doing that all over the world. I believe that too. <laughs> He's drawing people yeah. to himself. And there's, there's, and there's lots yeah. of people who are very on a spiritual journey. And, they, they, and in fact, often they look at all sorts of other things to try and find some sort of meaning because they feel they already know about Christianity and they think, oh, well, there's nothing there. Um, but actually, sometimes those people go on things like we've got something called the Alpha Course. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes, I love the Alpha we, Course. We love the oh. Alpha Course too. It's excellent. And um, and loads of people doing yes. the Alpha Course actually then explore the claims of Christianity and find out about it. In fact, wherever you are in the world, you can go to alpha.org and look up and find an Alpha Course near you. Um, it comes from, it was, it was born in the Church of England in the middle of London, um, but it's gone worldwide. So a, a great opportunity to explore the claims of Christianity in a really friendly, low pressure, uh, relaxed environment. So uh, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't know you'd know it, but it's a great course. Okay, so um, we've got another track to play uh, from you. It's called "He Has Come for Us." Again, a beautiful Christmas track. T tell us about it. Why did you write it? What did you hope people would get from it? He has come for us is actually the verses are God rest you merry gentlemen. So my friend Jason and I just wrote a chorus and a bridge to it. It's the first Christmas song I ever worked on, and um. I, I just love, uh, you know, when you think about Advent, when you think about Jesus coming to earth, the way that he came was in such a humble way. He could have come as a king in a palace, but he decided to be born as a baby in the most vulnerable state, not in a nice house somewhere, um, but born in a barn or in a cave, essentially, as it were. And I just believe that the way that he came shows us that he is for all people, that he was willing as God to make himself of no reputation, to make himself so low, just so that he could reach people exactly where they are. And uh, the chorus just says, he has come for us, this Jesus. He's the hope of all mankind. And I truly believe that with all my heart. How that in Bethlehem was born, the Son of God by name, oh. Joy, comfort and joy, oh tidings of comfort and joy. He has come for us, this Jesus. He's the hope for all mankind. He has come for us, the Messiah. And that was He Has Come For Us. God rest you, merry gentlemen, by Meredith Andrews. Meredith, thanks for everything that you've shared. It would be uh, lovely right now if you're happy to pray for listeners. Absolutely, I'd be honored to. Thanks, Gordon. God, we thank you so much for who you are and the fact that you just meet us wherever we are in our lives. Lord, you have seen us um, from before we were even born up until this point, and you have never, ever left our side. 
And Lord, it's not lost on me that sometimes in the Christmas season, things can feel painful. We remember the people that we're not with anymore. Maybe there's loss or grief, but God, I thank you that you can meet us in our grief and you can actually speak to us in our grief. And so I just pray for every person that is listening right now, that you would just wrap them in your arms of love, that you would remind them that you came as our rescuer, as our redeemer. You are the God who makes all things new. You are the God who redeems and restores all things. And so we look to you, not only this Christmas season, but for the rest of our lives. God, every day of our lives, our eyes are on you. We thank you that you are the hope for all mankind. We thank you that we can posture our hearts and say, Lord, we surrender and we receive who you are and all that you have for us. And I just pray for every person listening that you would bless them, that you would bless their families, that you would fill them up, you would surround them with your presence, that they would know you in such a deep and a real and life-changing way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Meredith. Uh, if you're listening in the UK, do pop along to www.findachurch.co.uk. If you're looking for a church for yourself, there are many that would love to help you find out more about God's love. And if you're elsewhere on one of our partner stations worldwide, just contact the station and ask them to connect you with a really great church. Right, Meredith. Well, it's Christmas season, so I've got to quickly ask you some questions. What does Christmas look like in your household? Well, so Christmas for us, we it changes every year just because I have family in North Carolina and then my husband's family is in Louisiana. So Nashville is about a nine hour drive either way. So this Christmas, we're actually going to be spending uh, with my family in North Carolina. So we'll drive a couple days before Christmas and go spend it with my parents and my brothers and their families. Um and, you know, we'll go to a Christmas Eve service. We'll probably have Christmas Eve dinner. Um and then we'll wake up on Christmas Day and open presents and spend time together as a family and most likely stay in our PJs most of the day. And then we'll see our extended family the day after Christmas. But it's just a lot of together time and and resting and giving and eating. And I'm so excited about it. <laughs> it sounds great, with the exception of having to drive nine hours oh, to get there okay. and nine hours to get back. I know the UK. You probably got you guys aren't used to that, right? I'm guessing. No, no. If we if we drove for nine hours, we fall in the sea. No matter which way we go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's, it's something we've gotten used to, and you know, sometimes we'll stop halfway and you know get out and have a little like look around and find, discover a new spot. But it's really not too bad. Have you ever been to the UK? No, I haven't. I would love to go. It was quite small. You got to make sure the airplanes actually land on the land rather than skidding off in any, right, any right. in France or something. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, America is absolutely huge compared to the UK. Within within the states, is there a lot of variation in the way that people celebrate Christmas? Um, I wouldn't say so. I'd say it's fairly uh, fairly similar. You know, just in terms of family gathering and food and opening presents and and things like that. Because because you did a you did a Spanish album, didn't you? I did. Yes. So so, but you don't you don't look Spanish. I'm not. Are you... <laughs> <laughs> I just I spent a lot of time in uh, in Central America, um, specifically, like particularly when I was in college. I went to Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Peru, Dominican Republic, um, and just love the culture. And I've led worship many times when I was there. I thought I was going to move to Guatemala after college, but yeah, it, that was a full circle moment for me getting to record those songs in Spanish. Uh, that is very cool because I know she did one with Blanco, who, who we had on the show just a few weeks ago. Yes. So, um, so yeah, she was lovely. Um, so, uh, for this Christmas, what, what things do you hope that 
other people will take away from it? Because it's one of those things when sometimes people might go and visit a church and stuff like that. What would be the key thing about God that you would like people to know this Christmas? Well, you know, I know that I know how easy it is to kind of get like sucked into this consumer mentality of Christmas where it's it feels like a hustle on a bustle and really busy. But my prayer is that we all would be able to just ponder, quiet our hearts and consider just the way that Jesus so humbly came. The way that, again, like he made himself of no reputation. I, that's just, it blows my mind the way that Jesus came for us as our rescuer. Because he could have come with all this pomp and fanfare and all of that, you know, but he didn't. He he really did humble himself as a humble king. And uh, I just, every year, I just, um, I take time to really ponder that and let it sink in deep. And, uh, and just offer thanksgiving to the Lord for the fact that he would step out of all of his glory in heaven and he would, you know, step down into our dirt and our mess and he wasn't afraid of it. And he didn't come to, he didn't come to, you know, like whip us into shape. He came to offer himself to us. He came as a savior, as a friend, um, as a humble King. And that's just so beautiful to me. Wow. That, that, is a beautiful thing and uh, absolutely came so that we could get to know the father so could i ask a question though post christmas are you a new year's resolutions person i try to be <laughs> you know, uh, do you know do you know what resolution what, what's going to be your top resolution for this coming year well I, maybe i need to get a little more specific but i i really just want to be more disciplined i think the two areas that i'd love to be more disciplined in well three actually um, getting up early, time management, and probably working out, exercising. <laughs> that, they, they sound like three that probably a lot of people would have on their list. I know. List. It's nothing new under the sun. I don't, I, it's not original at all, but I do really want to grow in those areas. Yeah, that would be cool. Is there, is there a New Year's resolution you made in the past year that you go, I'm really glad I've made that because that made a big change to me? Um, I would say I started, I made a New Year's resolution a few years ago. I, and it was again fairly vague, but it was just kind of like to to read more. I really enjoy reading, but sometimes I have a hard time just stopping all the things because it just feels like life is so busy and there's always somebody who needs me and there's always something that needs to be done and my to do list is like eight miles long. But if I could just stop and read, man, it just it's so good just to grow and to hear another perspective or read about somebody's story. Um, and I I do I I love it when I get a chance to read and. And yeah, it really has just, I think, grown my perspective. So if someone is going to be buying somebody a book for this Christmas, what book would you recommend? One of the books that, well, can I recommend two? Yes, you may. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, there, the first book that comes to mind is called Anonymous. It's by a lady named Alicia Britt Cole. And she talks about how Jesus lived his life in, in obscurity for the first 30 years of his life. And he really only was public for three years before he went to the cross. It's just a beautiful, amazing book. And then um, there's another one. There's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Oh, yeah. By John Mark Comer. I have been I have been listening to the audiobook actually of that yes. just recently. It's great. It's brilliant. 
Yeah, so I would recommend that as well. There you go. I'm just going to confirm. That's a great one. Uh, this, the first <laughs> one I have to go and get on my book list myself because I, I haven't I haven't heard of it. So, but it sounds it sounds good. Okay, we are beginning to run out of time. So, um, it would be great if you could just tell people if they want to follow you, uh, connect with you, find your website, etc. Where do they go? Yeah, so my website is just MeredithAndrews.com. Um, I am on Facebook. It's just Facebook.com/slash MeredithAndrews, and then I'm on Instagram at Mare Music. So M E R E Music. M-E-R-E music. Okay, that's nice and easy. So we've got one more track uh, to play for you, which is called yes. Receive Our King. Tell us about Receive Our King. Receive Our King is kind of, it's taken from, that that title is taken from, uh, you know, the, the hymn that we all know, Joy to the World. Let every heart prepare him room, that kind of thing. Let, let, let's receive our King. Um, what does that really mean to receive him? Because he came as a gift. He gave himself as a gift. So how do I receive a gift? It really is just the posture of my heart, understanding who he is, why he came, and knowing that he came out of love for me to bring glory to the Father, to rescue the world. And I get to receive this gift with everything that I am, with, with gratitude and hope in my heart, knowing that he is always with me. He is Emmanuel, um, God with us, our Messiah, come to rescue us. Oh, thank you very much indeed, Meredith, for joining us for the artist interview. Uh, and may I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for having me, Gordon, and Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. That was Receive Our King by Meredith Andrews. And what a joy it was talking to her, a woman who clearly, passionately uh, loves Jesus and has a real relationship with him. Uh, and I hope that her Christmas tracks were a blessing to you. Um, so thank you for joining me, Gordon T, here on The Artist Interview. I wish you joy and peace at this Christmas season. And just to say, maybe you've got a little bit more time over this Christmas season, even you're thinking, oh, I'd like to listen to some more interviews. Just go to your favourite podcast platform and search up The Artist Interview. God bless you. I look forward to meeting you on the next episode. Bringing you in-depth and God-filled conversations with some of the brightest names in contemporary Christian music and worship. This is The Artist Interview with Gordon T.